Okay, it's rap pack to my pulse flat. We keep it real, no false rap. I got four cars and they all black. Got four bras and they all that. We call that ballin'. Doing this is my calling. Flow is so appalling. My phone off and she calling. I'm like, yeah. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back into the Charm City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jay Hollihan, and if you're a fan of the 610 podcast, um, had a little issue with the, um, I explained it over there, but I had a little issue with the, you know, minutes that Buzzsprout's get, Buzzsprout gives me. I think it's, they, they call it a, an allowance. Um, so I unfortunately, you know, I wasn't able to post anything over there, so I didn't want people that listen to that podcast compared to this one think, oh, you know, why isn't he doing that one? And so I just wanted to keep everything on the same, um, same schedule. So, um, I have this episode brought out, um, you know, kind of a different look as to how I'm going to do this instead of going and recapping, um, the sweep of the twins and getting all excited about, you know, sweeping the twins compared to losing two out of three the week before and recapping each of those games and kind of like, oh, this was a difference in this game. I'm not going to do that. I will mention some things, um, but I'm not necessarily going to completely, you know, just recap that whole series. Um, I do have some, you know, points that, like I said, may relate to it, um, but I'm not going to completely go into a deep dive um, into that. So just strictly looking at the second half. Going to touch, um, I haven't really heard much about the um, trade deadline with the Orioles. I don't know exactly if there's anyone in the Baltimore media that they're kind of speaking about. You know, I live in the Philly market, so I get the all the sports radio and all the talk around here. So I don't really get to hear so much um, from the Baltimore side, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll do my best to kind of say what I think they should do at least. Um, but so for the first half of the season, you know, the Orioles, this was a very surprising start. I was reminded a couple days ago, I was reading something by Jake Rill um, on MLB.com, and he mentioned about how, you know, the Orioles didn't go out and make any real splashy signings, and they didn't get maybe in a an abundance of uh, of you know contracts that would be you know against their payroll um, and they didn't do anything you know really wild where they went and got a guy and you know they, they kind of they made some little moves they brought in Kyle Gibson they brought in James McCann and Adam Frazier um, those were the you know three uh, big signings you know quote unquote big signings so, I thought about that, and I was like, oh, wow, that's that's completely right. You know, I, I was complaining earlier in the year about how they didn't make any big signings, and I don't know how good they're going to be now because, you know, I didn't think they improved the starting pitching staff as much as it turned out to be. I didn't think... <laughs> I didn't think the bullpen got that much better. It's so funny to laugh at it now. Um... I had no idea that the rock and the mountain 
were going to show up. Cano and Bautista. I knew Bautista was going to be good, or at least, you know, decent. I mean, I didn't think he'd be dominant like he's been so far, and I didn't think Cano would be a setup guy that, like, for the eighth and ninth inning throughout this first half, I've been able to, you know, breathe, um, you know, pretty easy uh, with those two coming out. But uh, so I just thought it was kind of funny. You know where where I thought they should go and and what actually ends up happening. So um, starting off, let's just go right ahead and look at that. Let's look at the the pitching. Um, so we've got you know Kyle Gibson, a four six zero ERA. Look, Kyle Gibson is what he is, um, and I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Gibson. Um, you know, moving forward as your kind of your number one guy. Uh, I think this is where the O's can go and be creative in the trade deadline. I think they can go out and, you know, make some moves and bring someone in. Um, You know, I heard that the Cardinals, Cardinals are the first team that, you know, we really heard so far that, you know, okay, they're going to be sellers. So if they're on, if they're the first team right now, that's, we know for sure they're unloading. Well, you know, right now what they have available, I mean, you they can give you Jordan Montgomery, who has a 3-2-3 ERA, 103 innings pitched. He's pitched in the AL East. He was pretty good in the AL East. Um, I think that's a name right there that the O's should be targeting. Um and other than him, I mean, they've got Jack Flaherty. You know, he's got postseason experience. Steven Matz as well, but Steven Matz is Steven Matz. And I feel like, you know, a Steven Matz would be basically a Kyle Gibson. But if the O's feel like there's something in Jack Flaherty, you know, he's 27, something there they can tweak, um, there you have it. Jordan Montgomery, um, the only thing is... He's only on a one-year, $10 million contract. So that's perfect, really, for the Orioles. He's a free agent next year. So I think that would be a smart move. I mean, you know he's really going to be motivated. He wants money. Um, He's been, you know, a heck of a pitcher. He's also a a lefty. So I think that kind of solves some things. Now, I do know that there's another left-handed pitcher that's hopefully going to make his return in the second half and that's John Means. But for the time being, we don't know when that's exactly going to be. So all we have to go off right now is the fact that they really don't have a left-handed pitcher that's, you know, you really trust going out there with the ball every 5 days. Jordan Montgomery could be that guy. I mean, the only real down year he had uh, was in 2020 when he had a 5-1-1 ERA during the COVID year. I think that'd be a smart trade um, for the O's to make. I haven't exactly thought about how much that would cost, but I think that would be a smart decision for them to make, you know, um, moving down the line. Tyler Wells, who I think has been deemed the quote-unquote ace of the staff right now, your leader going into the second half. That's your top guy is Tyler Wells with a 318 ERA. Dean Kramer, who gets the ball to start game one against the Marlins tomorrow night. I'll preview that soon. 478 ERA. Need Kramer to be better this second half 
Need him to be more consistent. But the next guy has really surprised me, Kyle Bradish. 3-3-2 ERA. Definitely a one of the biggest surprises um, this season has been how well Kyle Bradish has pitched. Really like what he's done. I like how he's made his adjustments. And um, can't wait to see what he has in store for us the rest of the season. And then Grayson Rodriguez, who is someone that I think you can solve that starting pitching trade deadline you know, extravaganza with just bringing him up. However, we know what he did the first time as he came up, and I'm not 100% sold moving forward with just having a rookie starting pitcher be kind of, you know, that savior. I, that's, you know, I don't want to, you don't want to put too much pressure on the kid. Um, Dean Kramer, you know, I think if there's one guy that you could see making a move to the pen, it'd be him. Cole Irvin, who has a 5-5-0 ERA, uh, he pitched well against the Twins last time out. I really liked what he did. Um, thought he adjusted well. You know, but at the same time, I'm still open to them making that decision and moving on um, from Cole Irvin. You know, I think that that might be a situation that might be best for both parties um you know he maybe can get a chance to kind of continue to tweak himself back up to where he was and the o's can you know get someone that they feel a little stronger about and i think a little more confident in going into the postseason so i also think you know as i was mentioning you know getting pitching i also think maybe a relief pitcher wouldn't hurt. I don't think, aside from Cano and Bautista, I'm not a hundred percent sold in what they have in the pen. Um, Colum, I'm, you know, I think he pit, he's good. Um, you know, I, I he's one that I'm fine with, but I think he could add maybe another piece that maybe could come in and offer you you know, maybe a, a, a little more, you know, so to speak. And, you know, you can have a little more confidence in going to, say a guy doesn't have it um, or is losing it in the fifth. You can, you know, maybe, you know, Hyde could hook him and, you know, bring in someone that he might have a little more confident in, confidence in that's not a Cano or a Bautista. So let's go to the bats. Um... It's been a very, very uh, surprising season for the first guy. Austin Hayes. Definitely a season I wasn't expecting. Hitting 314. Nine home runs, 36 RBIs. You know, I think Hayes has really found himself this year. He's in the, you know, he, he's in. Um, arbitration this year so he has two more years of arbitration then he's a free agent but i'd be interested to see if they don't try and lock him up at some point you know so he's leading the way at 314 we're just gonna go off the um pretty much the everyday starters here um you know you got ryan o'hearn hitting 302 even though he's not technically an everyday starter but we'll just go down the line because sometimes you know he comes in more often than not lately. You've been seeing Ryan O'Hearn. 
Um, seven homers, 28 RBIs. Really like what he's done as well. He's been, you know, a guy that I think has been a real surprise coming off the off the bench and someone I think Hyde really feels comfortable in going to. Adley Rutschman, who we all expected to take a big leap this season, and he's doing just that, hitting 273, 12 homers, and 39 RBIs. I just got to say this. I really wish he didn't face Luis Robert Jr. in that home run derby because that was really fun watching him hit, what was it, 20, 20 homers lefty and then switch hitting to righty. And, I mean, every single one was going out. It was unbelievable. He would have been the story in that home run derby. That was great. Um, got Anthony Santander hitting 272, 16 homers and 50 ribbies. I didn't realize he was leading um, the team in RBIs by this much. And, you know, I think Santander, it's a great story. You know, one of the guys that got to kind of be there through the bad, and now he's he's really getting to see, you know, some of the good times um, as an Oriole. So that's great for him, you know, as, a, as an everyday player. Aaron Hicks, who's been quite the surprise this year coming over from the Yankees. Two, six, three batting average, six homers, 17 RBIs. Great to see there from him. Ramon Arias, so he's hitting 261. Arias is one guy that it wouldn't surprise me if the O's try and move on from. This has really been a down year for him. And I think that he's one guy that, and he's kind of fallen out of favor as an everyday player. Um, and I'm surprised to see his wart is at a 1.2. Wow. Um, which also means he holds some value. So I think you could potentially see... Arias being a player that they could, you know, move on from um, at the deadline. Cedric Mullins coming back from injury. Hopefully he's going to be good to go coming up here. Um, hitting 248, you know, eight homers, 45 RBIs. Cedric Mullins should have been the starting center fielder in the All-Star game if he didn't get hurt. If he didn't get hurt and he kept projecting out where he was going, he would have been in that All-Star game. He always flashes the leather. Um, so it's nice to see him still making those athletic plays in the field, um, you know, even though he's had to, you know, deal with maybe his bat not being there of late. But hopefully now we're going to start really seeing Mullins um, settle in. Garner Henderson, if there's one guy that made a difference between, you know, the you know first quarter of the season and then once you got into summer, it's Gunnar Henderson hitting 246, 13 homers. 37 RBIs. I think he might be, um, you know, among one of the odds-on favorites to win the AL Rookie of the Year. I really hope uh, his name um, is the one they're, you know, reading off there. Adam Frazier uh, hitting 232, 10 homers and 40 RBIs. He's kind of, you know what, Adam Frazier is doing um, what you brought him in to do. Be a veteran presence um, in the in the lineup, and you know, play a good second base. And I think he's done both. I really do. I think he's he's done a nice job so far this year um, in the field. Only has two errors. Fielding percentage is at ninety nine point two percent. So. I really like what you know we've been seeing on Adam Frazier. He's shown some, you know, shown some power with the bat. Uh, you know, two thirty-two. It's not lighting the world on fire, but 
you know, I, I like where that's at uh, right now. He's got a 1.2 war. Um, I like where he's at right now. I mean, the batting average, I wish would get up there, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, Ryan Mountcastle, gosh, I, I hope he can get it together. Ryan Mountcastle is one of those guys that, um, you know, I really, I, I really enjoy watching him play, and I hope he can find it um, in the second half of the season. And I hope this isn't a guy they're going to be, you know, dealing at the deadline. You know, he's got 11 homers, 40 RBIs. Um, and, you know, I feel like his presence was lost there through June, as was Cedric Mullins, you know, missing those two guys. Even though they were able to get through it, it was it was rough. So Jorge Mateo is the next guy I'm going to look at here. He's hitting 212, uh, 214 rather. He was doing a pretty good job there early on, um, you know, and... Gosh, it's amazing to see he's got 22 stolen bags. You know, when he gets on and, you know, he can do damage. But his on-base percentage is just a 266. Six homers, 27 RBIs. They got to make a decision with Mateo. He would be, um, you know, someone I think you could deal for the right cost. But it is intriguing to put Mateo ninth in the lineup, turn the lineup over to Mullins. If Mateo gets on, you got to deal with Mateo's, you know, speed at first, which he can pretty much steal second at the at the you know, by the time the pitcher even you know gets the ball to the catcher, and then he, he's got to deal with Mullins at the plate. We know what Mullins can do, and then there's the opportunity to get both of them on at the same time. That's a lot of speed on the base pass. It's very intriguing. It's very intriguing. I think that's where, you know, maybe Mateo's season kind of went maybe a little more haywire than it was going. I think he was slumping right around the time Mullins got hurt. I think that just really killed it. Then you got James McCann, who's hitting 190, uh, 184 with three homers and eight RBIs. Um, definitely takes the pressure off of Rutschman, keeps him in every day. Um, so I like that, and McCann's done a good job behind the plate. You know, he's really helped coach a lot of the pitchers through. But you know, his bat, oof, man, it's they gotta. You gotta hope he can just be decent. I mean, try and inch his way closer to, you know, that Mendoza line there. Um, so that's really what I have in terms of going through the stats and kind of who I think they might want to move and who I who they shouldn't move. So now let's get into the Marlins' upcoming um, series. So 7.05 Friday, 7.05 Saturday, and 1.35 Sunday. Starting tomorrow, like I said, Dean Kramer, 4.780 ERA. like to see him, you know, be more consistent now. Last start against the Yankees, which was what, um, that Wednesday game, which they finally got that first win there. Seven innings pitched, ten strikeouts. You know, he he did a solid job um, in that game. I mean, did more than just solid, did a really nice job. And then you got Sandy Alcantara, 4.72 ERA. Um, you know, last start against the Phillies, six and two-thirds. Gave up eight hits, five strikeouts. I think the O's, if they can be patient against Alcantara, they can really do damage against him, especially their lefty bats. Um, 
So that's what I'm looking for tomorrow night. They got Kyle Gibson Saturday. It was a 4-6-0 ERA. Like to see Kyle Gibson try and get off to a nice start. He did well against the Twins last Sunday. Seven innings pitched and 11 strikeouts. You know, one of uh, his best starts, um, you know, this season. And uh, he faces Braxton Garrett, who has a 3-7-0 ERA. His last start was against the Phillies, where he won five innings pitched, three strikeouts, and six hits. Sunday, it's Kyle Bradish. Read him off earlier, 3-3-2 ERA. Last start against the Yankees, six innings pitched, three hits. This was on the uh, last Thursday, where they won 14-1. They earned the split. Um, You know, hopefully... The Marlins haven't announced who he, who they're trotting out on Sunday, so hopefully Bradish can continue that second half, you know, um, surge that he was going through. I think it started around June. He just became a more consistent pitcher. He was, you know, really more together. Um, I'd say it kind of started actually towards the back end there in May when he really kind of started to hit. His groove, he was kind of hitting it a little bit there in the beginning of May, but then June and end of July, he got so much more consistent. So that's my recap for the Orioles' first half and kind of a look ahead, a preview, if you will, into the second half. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'll be back on Sunday recapping this Marlins series and then the look ahead into the Dodgers series um, coming up next after that. So thanks, everyone. So long, and I'll talk to you Sunday.